Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. This morning, I'm delighted to have our guest, Catherine Holm, join us, who is a former teacher, a senior school, a senior school leader, and now a coach for senior leaders and executive coaching with a focus on well-being. What I'd like to start with before I introduce Catherine to our listeners today is just refer to the Teacher Wellbeing Index, which was published last week. I'm referring in particular to a TES article written by Sinead McBrearty, who is the CEO of Education Support. Education Support is the largest educational charity and their mission is to support our educational staff in terms of their health mental health and well-being. This article is entitled, What if half the profession needs to stop and refuel? Teachers and school staff have demonstrated huge amounts of courage, creativity and compassion this year by continuing to teach both remotely and in the classroom. The index findings show a sharp increase in symptoms of poor mental health that was reported. So in comparison to 37% in the last two years, this index shows us that that figure has increased to 52% that have suffered from insomnia in the last year. 41% cite tearfulness has increased compared to 26% in the last two years. And 40% have actually experienced difficulty in concentrating, which was 23% two years ago. The profession has experienced increasing stress levels, particularly since schools reopen in September, and staff struggle to implement COVID-19 measures with very limited resources. 62% of teachers and 77% of senior leaders reported being very stressed early in July, when most educational institutions were actually closed to all but the most vulnerable. 84% of teachers and 89% of senior leaders reported being so very stressed early in October, just when schools had returned. We are aware that the staff retention continues to be a growing concern. 51% of teachers and 59% of senior leaders said they have considered leaving the profession this year due to pressures on their health and well-being. Now, the reason that I'm talking about these statistics is because, A, they are very alarming, but B, because there are a significant number of things that are happening in the profession by colleagues that are trying to do something about the well-being of our colleagues. And one of those people is Catherine, who I'm going to introduce the listeners to. Now, 
my relation to Catherine is uh, through social media we have met because she is a coach and I am a coach. Now, Catherine works for an organisation called Leadership Edge in, in other work that she does um, as a coach. She's also the director and founder of North Star Coaching. But what we have in common is that we are both associate coaches for Leadership Edge. And I'd love to talk to the listeners about that later today. But right now, I'm going to introduce the listeners to Catherine Holmes. So Catherine, welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Hi, Sunita. Thank you for having me and introducing me to podcasts being my first one today. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. Now, as I've just said, uh, just told the listeners, our connection has come about through coaching. That's what we have in common. And actually, it's very specific in terms of we're on a mission, aren't we? I, I might, is that, you know, is that fair mm-hmm. to say that we're on a mission? Because we're very aligned in our conversations, in the work that we do, our social media messaging. It really is to be able to make a difference to our fellow colleagues in the profession that are on the ground floor doing that work. So Catherine, tell us, tell us about yourself. You know, you know, obviously you're a previous senior school leader as well as a teacher. So just tell the audience all about yourself. Absolutely. And, and it completely is a passion, isn't it? And I know we're both driven by the same passion, both having had personal experiences of well-being concerns within um, the education system personally. Uh, my dad was also a head teacher, and I know this isn't new to our generation, but listening to those statistics that you've just given, it obviously is accelerating at an alarming rate, um, which just, I think, drives us both further more quickly doesn't it to try and to try and make a difference to some of these uh, really sad figures that that you've just read out so thank you for drawing that to our attention this morning um yeah i was um a secondary english teacher after a few other careers moved into teaching because i wanted to make a difference and marketing of a premiership football club wasn't quite cutting it for me um and uh yeah worked myself worked my way up um I was lucky enough to be on the fast track program which is a government funded initiative at the time um to try and um work through some of this leadership um lack of capacity that that they could forecast and could see was coming because retention wasn't good and um and head teachers were coming to retirement and so on so that was always my agenda really was to get into school and to make as big a difference as I could as possible um, by working my way up um, to positions where I could influence more people so that I could influence better results and outcomes for the children. Um, so yeah, secondary English teacher and um, yeah, then did have a brief spell as assistant head teacher in charge of before I actually stopped to raise my children. Um, And during that role as assistant head teacher, there was a lot of pressure on data and making sure that I was reporting my observation outcomes in senior leadership team meetings and so on. But I personally found that there was a missing piece to that conversation, which was about the well-being of staff. And I made it very much my personal agenda to build relationships with each teacher individually Um, in the feedback sessions they became coaching sessions where it was actually the agenda of each of those teachers to talk to me about their observations on their lesson and their takeaways from that from that experience to the point where I really had I think built really trusting relations with um 
from you know very senior teachers through to NQTs. I, I even had a, a well-experienced science teacher ask me to come into his lesson to observe without the children seeing because he said that would affect their behaviour. Um, and so I ended up standing in his stationary cupboard for the whole lesson um, in order to support him. And he was really grateful because it's, it's difficult as a teacher to not feel vulnerable. Um, and I think it was huge value to those teachers to feel that there was someone, particularly on senior leadership team, who was really open to hearing that vulnerability without judging them and just taking it from a, a place of support um, and respect for their their needs um, and so that that was my experience and that was what I wanted to progress further when I did stop that role to raise my children so to get back into schools I started to uh, go down the route of coaching as you say set up my own company and then trained in three areas of coaching um, well-being being one career transition being another and executive coaching being another and I I coach either people individually for each of those areas but my preferred method as we do with leadership edge is pure coaching where it can cover any of those areas depending on the agenda and the needs of that person individually that's wonderful i so much of what you said aligned and you know really resonated with me but you're absolutely right to be in that privileged position as a leader where you were had those you know, trusted relationships with your colleagues. You know, that's a wonderful story to be able to stand in the in the stationary cupboard. It's it's comical, <laughs> but it just shows the the genuinity of somebody wanting you to help them. And that, let's face it, that's what teachers want. They don't, mm -hmm. you know, they don't want people coming in and making judgments on them. They want constructive feedback that's going to feed their learning forward. You know, we talk about children's learning forward, but our colleagues are, are in need of it just in the same way. I love that, Sunita, because I'm a firm believer that if we're in education, we need to be lifelong learners ourselves because we are modelling that. And if we can take ourselves back to that place of vulnerability that we expect our students to be in, and learning is uncomfortable <laughs> often, isn't it? Because we're stepping out of what we know into something new and developmental. And if we don't do that as teachers, I think it's it isn't very helpful to, uh, to our students um, either. So I do see our CPD and our development as teachers um, as really fundamental to the ethos and the culture of learning within a school as a whole. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I, I would like to do more work to raise that message with teachers because I think that's where some of our teachers could also learn to grow and, and develop and embrace that actually, yes, to be able to sustain some of these challenges that come about, actually investing A, in their personal development by coaching mm -hmm. and equally in their professional development keeps them abreast of, you know, uh, and abreast of what you know those changes and we all know you know in coaching we, we talk about change a lot don't we it's about embracing the chain but also going through those peaks and troughs and being that exemplary role model to, yeah. to our pupils it's, it's really profound so in terms of you know uh, teaching let, let's start with your teaching experience really obviously some people may have a perception well it's all right for us to sit here and have this conversation isn't it about mm -hmm. telling everybody else how to do it and I know neither you and I would proclaim to tell anybody I, I roll my sleeves up any day of the week and get back <laughs> in the classroom but um you, you know when you were a teacher tell us about those experiences some of those highs and lows wow it's emotional isn't it teaching 
yeah. when you talk about highs and lows, um, it's unfortunately it started off quite low. I would say my, my teaching experience, I was in a very challenging school um, and the support from senior teachers and leaders was not consistent. I would say I'm not saying there wasn't any at all, but it wasn't consistent and I needed more um, because of the context of that school. Um, and I really felt that because, um, because the culture of the school was rather toxic, and I know we throw that term around, but that it was quite fear-led. So we couldn't um, have our, as, as NQTs and, new, and RQTs and early career um, teachers, we, we couldn't really have our voices heard particularly well because the more experienced teachers and the teachers who were above us in the hierarchy weren't having their voices heard. So where were they going to take ours? So it became very top down. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. Um, but there were highs within that as well. Um, you know, when you see the children in the class who are looking at you with those pleading eyes of, come on, miss, teach me, teach me. Um, and then you've got children on the other side of the class. I'm calling them children, you know, they could be 16 years old, about to go off out into the world. Um, and, and so, yeah, that there were highs and lows. But unfortunately, that, that school for me came to a point where um, I was really questioning myself, my decision to be a teacher. And I was fortunate because of the fast track scheme I was on to have a coach at that point. And I was fortunate enough to be able to raise this and work out that there are different schools, <laughs> uh, which sounds really obvious, but I was becoming quite ingrained and, and lacking in confidence because this was my only experience of being a teacher. And so therefore, in terms of my evidence base, as we would look at in coaching, 100% of it was in that school. And so that, that was all I knew. So off the back of that, it was going to be easy for me to say, right, teaching isn't for me. Um, but through coaching, I realized that try another school. And, um, and that was such a shift. And so then I moved to a school where my, I, I started as key stage three lead for English, but I was given so much autonomy. And my head of department said, I want you to treat this as if you're head of English for year seven, eight and nine. Come, yeah. to, me to, come to me as a sounding board, but otherwise... I trust you go for it and I talking about it now I can feel yeah. that exhilaration yeah. and finally I had an outlet for that passion and that desire to make a difference and that desire to um, reach my potential and I think that's something that's really deep within my passion is that I want the children and the students to reach their potential. I want other teachers, members of staff to reach their potential. And I want to reach my potential. I think we've all got so much to give. And to be in an environment where that can be drawn out and respected and encouraged is so exhilarating. Um, and then I certainly did have much more of a high in terms of, of my career. Um, and uh, yeah, on that basis, I did end up feeling I could apply for this ahead, assistant headship when I hadn't even effect, really been a head of department. And I was up against people who had been in that school for, you know, 20 years, desperate for an assistant headship to come up. Um, and so that was a, an interesting scenario where I was successful and then had to go and do the teaching and learning with those teachers who I had, you know, um, 
surprisingly um, got, got, got the role above them. And so that's where I thought I have to be humble. I have to be respectful and, and authentically seek to learn from them. Even though I was in the position that I, I was, I very much felt this is a partnership. This is something where, you know, teaching isn't a silo profession or I certainly believe it shouldn't be and you know a phrase that I'm using more and more is that uh, schools are communities they're not factories there's not one input which leads to one output we support each other um, and only on on that basis I think can we actually make a real genuine sustainable difference not just to the to the students and, and their outcomes but also to the staff and their well-being and their joy within their job. That's just so lovely to hear you speak from the heart like that. You know, I could see you light up when you <laughs> can't see you, but um, I, I have the pleasure and it really is. It's so humbling to hear you speak with such passion because, I, you know, absolutely, um, you can just see your love for empowering others and, you know, bringing out, drawing out their potential. And there's so much the listeners can learn from just what you said there, Catherine. So thank you for speaking so, so authentically, because I know it will be appreciated. Oh, thank you, Sunita. There's a lot to learn there, for sure. <laughs> what would you say, what would you say has been the biggest challenge? I know you may have touched on that, you know, um, and just draw that out for us, for the listeners a bit more. What's been the biggest challenge for you in your teaching career? And how would you say you are, you've overcome it? Yeah, I, I think probably I was obviously reflecting on this question because you were kind enough to send them in advance. <laughs> I was reflecting on this question and thought um, it really was that searching within myself whether I had the strength to continue as a teacher. First of all, within that particular school, which was the challenging school, and beyond that, whether I had the strength to move into another school and potentially face similar challenge there. And it was the adults, really. It did come down to the adults because um, I needed the support, you know, the other adults in, in the organisation. And I had previously thought it's all about the children. Um, and I've become more and more aware that other teachers all have their own strengths, barriers, confidence issues, capability, um, differences. And sometimes, often, that can also be said of, of our leaders who perhaps have just come up through teaching with very little actual leadership guidance or, um, or training and are now in charge of a group of professionals and you know we're all winging it to some extent aren't we um, but when you've got a number of teachers underneath you looking up to you I think that can be really daunting and certainly in the more and more conversations I've had um, as a coach with senior leaders it becomes really clear that that there's a, a lack of confidence often um, which can, which can trigger a lot of stress, which then becomes a negative cycle of, well, I just need them to do this and I don't want to be questioned and um, quite a defensive situation, which, which becomes emotionally draining for everybody involved. So my biggest challenge really was dealing with a particular senior teacher 
um, on a social night out, unfortunately, Sunita, um, in this school where we'd had a few drinks. But anyway, in front of um, my colleagues, she said, clearly, um, you know, you're struggling with the behaviour of some of your classes, as I had made them aware that I was, but wasn't necessarily getting the support that I'd needed. You're clearly struggling with some of these classes, um, particularly those year seven. So I think what we need to do actually is to um, give you an even more challenging year seven class so that you can really hone those skills and that way it will make or break you. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, luckily I've got a very supportive home life and, and my husband at the time was like, that is not acceptable and not all schools will be like that. Um, but I had I, got myself into a situation where I thought, yeah, okay, maybe I need to learn whether I can hack it or not, whether I can make this work or whether it is breaking me. Um, and so th that, that was really challenging, as you, as you can imagine, emotionally, um, to, not, to not accept that treatment and to go through a, go through a process to leave that school. Um, so th that would be my most challenging. And I think, and, and after that, in some ways it's helpful because I could use that as a benchmark <laughs> to think, right, moving forward, um, I'm so grateful that I now have colleagues who... I can get support from, I can go to if I need, um, need help. And I think I kept that with me into my assistant headship to make sure that I became a senior leader who was open to teachers' vulnerability because I don't think I was a bad teacher <laughs> in my early years of teaching. I think I had a lack of nurturing and a lack of understanding and as I said earlier, we're all in that. We're all in a school together. And I think we all have responsibility to look after each other. I'm so pleased that you shared this um, really insightful sort of personal experience, Catherine, because I know, I know factually there are teachers that will be able to relate to that experience that you've just shared. I'm really pleased that you continued and went on and, and made the right decision which obviously was a really difficult time for you to work your way through and and many teachers would may have you know just sort of left it at that left the profession at that point what I'm really pleased about is the fact that you went on and you were given the autonomy that you mentioned earlier and this real new lease of life in teaching where you were the key word that you used was was trust you were trusted and we know there's a huge amount of evidence around teachers leaving the profession due to lack of autonomy or where they do not feel trusted. So I'm really delighted that you were able to, to have that experience, that positive experience, because it can make or break a person, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. In your, you, you referred earlier about you, you know, when you went through the fast track program, you had a coach. I'd really like you to talk to the listeners about how the coaching process helped you personally. Yeah, I mean, gosh, there are so many different types of coaches, aren't there? Okay, let's be honest. So that coach that I had was not necessarily quite the pure coaching that I would um, advocate now there was obviously an agenda that he had because as I said earlier the fast track program had an agenda which was to accelerate my career progression so that that was an existing agenda which as a coach myself 
I don't bring to any session. However, the, the, the nuts and bolts of a coaching session, if you like, was still, I felt heard. I felt respected as an individual. I felt that he believed in my potential. Um, and was my advocate really just sort of on the sidelines. Um, and that, that self-belief, as we've said, can easily be crushed if you're, um, if, if you're not having a good experience of being in school. So for me, that experience of coaching, and also I've had many coaches since, um, that experience was, it was the first time where I benefited from truly being listened to. It sounds so simple, but I wonder how often, and I, and I know from speaking to my clients now, but how often do we really feel listened to, not interrupted, not given advice, not judged as doing something right, wrong or even right, being given the space to work things out on our own. I was speaking to a, a coachee last week in a session. It was her first session. And we were just talking about one of her classes that, that, that she was struggling with. Um, and at the end, she said, um, I can't believe we've just spent 45 minutes focusing on this one class. That just would never happen in my normal school life. But the difference it's going to make to me, it's going to save me hours of prep, hours of worry, that insomnia you talked about 52 percent of people you know she was like lacking sleep so she was saying well now I know what I'm doing I feel confident I'm excited to get back in the classroom with them so that 45 minute session of being listened to because the importance is it's about what's real for her and if I started making suggestions and saying, oh, when I had my challenging year seven class, as we know I did, <laughs> this is what I tried. Well, how helpful is that really when as a coach, we believe she has the answers herself because she knows those children. She knows the context. She knows what she enjoys. She knows her strengths. She knows the dynamics. People know themselves, I think, what their next best step is if they're given the right supportive opportunity to sound it out with somebody who will point out perhaps there's a different perspective to this or perhaps there's another option to this doesn't mean it's right or wrong and it's for that person to make their decision to move forward so they feel that autonomy that I just mentioned earlier that's really powerful really powerful isn't it that process of coaching when you do it in that holistic and pure way so let's talk then more about pure coaching and leadership edge because I know this is the mission of leadership edge and our wonderful uh, director Jan Rudge so I you know truly privileged to be working for such a wonderful organization that uh, is helping so many staff in school so I, I'm thrilled to, to be part of, of this team and and be an associate what I'd like to do is because there's so much happening with leadership edge at the moment so I'd really like to um, draw the listeners attention to that but actually, because we really, you know, we believe in coaching, we believe in the power of coaching. And you just gave some wonderful illustrations there of how life changing 
um, and how powerful it can be. But one of the recommendations that um, education support have made to the government, there's only four recommendations from the Wellbeing Index. Um, and the fourth uh, recommendation is that there should be a specific focus on the health and well-being of senior leaders, um, because this is essential to prevent so many leaving the profession. Now, we have a really good evidence base from Leadership Edge, from the results that we get, the, the testimonials, the, the sort of shares. And, and Jan only sent us something very recently in terms of the differences that uh, pure coaching via Leadership Edge has made to individuals. Can you tell us more about that, Catherine? Yeah, I mean, Jan Raj, <clears throat> as you said, um, has, has started up this this company again because of her lifelong service to education um, and she quite passionately says if there's going to be one thing I leave as a legacy to the education system it's this mm -hmm. this three-tier approach to getting coaching into school and it is wonderful isn't it Catherine? like honestly every time I speak to dad she's like I need to go now I'm like but I just need to tell you again <laughs> I just love this program it really is wonderful yeah, it really yeah. Is. Yeah, I mean, j j just a bit of an overview. It's basically three stages that any participant goes through. One is they are coached themselves. Two is they're supported to coach their colleagues. And three is they're supported to lead coaching as a school priority within, within the organisation, be it a school or a mat. Um, and that way it cascades through the school. But it starts from a base of true belief in the difference that it can make because that person has experienced it themselves and until they experience it themselves I have a worry that coaching becomes a tick box um, initiative or intervention put in from a senior level rather than it being um, a passionate belief about the difference that, that it can make so that that's the bones of it it's this three-tier system and it becomes cost effective because fewer people um pay for our services as coaches as they go on up um through the system because you've got um colleagues within school who have already done it so it, it cascades it's cost effective and it sustains because we've put those other layers in place um and absolutely in terms of health and well-being of senior leaders it's giving them that pure space and keeping it very separate from anything performance related um and giving senior leaders that opportunity to cross their personal needs with their professional needs um and having somebody who isn't emotionally involved in their decisions to sound it through I know head teachers who have really wonderful senior leadership teams, really supportive deputy, um, you know, they call each other friends, they feel like a family. And yet, when I have a coaching session with them, they can reveal things to me and bring things which they just wouldn't feel are appropriate to bring to their team, either because they're highly personal and they may not want to bring about their personal life into school, or it may be because they might affect members of that senior leadership team. Or it may be that they're t to do with the, the board and the governors and they can't disclose that to their senior leadership. Whatever it might be, it provides senior leaders with a completely blank page to raise anything that is true and real 
and and impacting on them in that moment yeah absolutely and I again you know resonates with me in, in my own head teacher position I had wonderful relationships with my senior leaders and my deputy but I, I had coaching I had coaching mm. for all those reasons that you just mentioned there so yeah really powerful stuff and we've had a, a, a huge increase of inquiries and work that we're doing at the moment um, and, and there really is a real agenda to support colleagues which I'm you know I know we're both really pleased about and senior leaders you know again when we talked about us being teachers and role modeling you know to the pupils the senior leaders have got to do exactly the same haven't they in, in Yep. and coaching is a great way of, of doing that and getting the space but also growing and, and growing your own personal professional development which is so important right now and I think it's really important Sunita that, that senior leaders do do that and because it shows that it isn't a corrective process mm -hmm. coaching can be associated with um, you know competencies and 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 needing to improve Pure coaching is not that. Mm. Pure coaching is needing to be yourself <laughs> yeah. and finding your potential. Yeah. And doing that in a responsible way. Mm. So you're not doing it in the corner of a staff room. You're not crying in your car on the way home. You're not taking it out when it should be your family time. Um, I, I really feel it's, it's a responsibility for senior leaders to look after themselves physically, mentally, emotionally. And coaching is a great way for them to do that in that coaching session, but beyond find strategies to cope on a day-to-day -day basis. I was speaking to one um, senior leader last week who said, oh, I just wait for your sessions. I only, I only do it once every six weeks with them. Um, wait for your sessions. But what I've started to do is I recognize now when I'm coming up to a challenge mm -hmm. and I think, what would Catherine ask me? What would I be saying in my sessions with Catherine? I was like, oh, gosh, you're starting to coach yourself. And that's part of this self-sustainable um, process that we at Leadership Edge are so passionate about having been senior leaders ourselves and we know the budgets of schools. We do not want to take anything away from what can be um, afforded for the children or for the staff, you know, or the community as a whole. We just want to come in and inject that level of self-awareness, self-care and self-compassion so that the staff can feel like they are thriving as well as the children. Absolutely. And, and we all, we all be all very, you know, um, we have this common shared knowledge, purpose, understanding that we do want to do all those things that you just said there about how we want to support our colleagues. And, you know, that's what's drawn us to this organisation as well. It's that the integrity. Mm. You know, we, we all sat, didn't we, in the, during the pandemic and offered free coaching. Yeah, to yeah. And, you know, it's all very time consuming. But why? Because we love it. We love coaching yeah. and we want to make a difference to these, to these individuals right now. So just on a final note, can you tell us about um, because we always ask for wellbeing tips at the end of each podcast uh, I'd really like you to share um, more about the book that is just being released by Jan uh, and, and Hayley called Pure Coaching tell us about that because I think that would be a great wellbeing tip for anyone to, to read over the coming holiday 
Absolutely. Tip number one, get pure coaching by Jan Rudge and Hayley Guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the story, part of it is the story of how um, these two inspirational women have met. Jan was Hayley's coach. Hayley is uh, on her second headship, um, which again was a challenging school. And it tells the story of how um, they brought coaching in to that challenging school and moved it within three years from special measures to outstanding. Um, so part of it is that. And then part of it is also the, the theory and the basis of why we believe so passionately in pure coaching. Um, so I'm sure it's out in January, available for pre-orders now. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure it will be an inspirational read um, because of that passion, which, which I know they both feel backed up with the evidence very strong, hard-hitting evidence that it really works. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Catherine. And just on a very final note, <laughs> any other well-being tips for our listeners before we say goodbye? Sure. Well, the other ones that I just thought of quickly that I know helped me in my in my teaching experience was um, I've already mentioned about offloading to colleagues. And it, this might sound controversial, but my tip would just be be mindful about the conversations you're having um, in the staff room and in your place of work. I think it's quite easy to um, create a spiral of negative thinking, um, particularly if you're in a in a very difficult and challenging, potentially toxic environment um, where we collude with each other. It's probably a bit of a coaching word, but basically where we agree with each other's negative view of reality without balancing it with, okay, well, what went well today? What are the positives? And, and, and it can become a bit of a hotbed of niggles and negativity. And what does that do? Well, then you go into your classroom with confirmation bias, which is another coaching word, meaning we then go and look for those negative things that we've just told ourselves is our reality. Unfortunately, it may be but we can normally find some joy as well. Um, obviously, coaching is great for getting that perspective, but I would just say um, you, you can make great friendships in, in schools in those environments. And in fact, this weekend, I went for a walk with one of my colleagues from that very first school because we built such a strong uh, relationship in that environment. But I would just say, be mindful of, of those conversations and try to get some balance. Um, journaling. Is another way I know Sunita knows I'm passionate about that, finding space just to make some notes and clear your head um, and keep things in perspective. And finally, physical activity. We all know about the feel-good hormones which are released, but also giving yourself that time and um, for your head and to keep your body strong because we know teaching is not just mentally and emotionally draining it's physically draining as well and I feel like it's very easy to get home and just just lie down <laughs> um, and at weekends as well have no energy to to move but we know don't we from science that by instigating that physical movement it, it does so much um, positive good for our minds and our bodies so wherever possible keep yourself strong physically emotionally and mentally Fabulous. Really, really good tips there. And I know that the listeners will gain a lot of insight there and hopefully some inspiration from what you've said. Wonderful tips. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's just been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for taking out the time. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, if one person gets one thing from it, then it, it's absolutely worth it. And thank you so much for the work you're doing, Sunita. It's brilliant. Thank you, Catherine. Take care. Bye. Pleasure. Bye bye. After listening to Catherine speak so 
humbly, so honestly and so authentically. If you've been inspired to find out more about coaching and would like to get in touch with Catherine, you can contact her at Catherine at northstarcoaching.org.uk and find her on her website, northstarcoaching.org.uk. Or you could alternatively look at Leadership Edge, which we've explained during this podcast to be a really cutting edge coaching company, which is dedicated to the well-being of our educational colleagues. And you can find us at leadershipedge.org. UK. Thank you very much. You know that the Every Teacher Matters network is here to support you. So if you have any questions, you can come to me directly, contact at sanitabagri.com, or you can find out more about what we do at www.everyteachermattersproject.com. Thank you and bye for now. I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.